Hi, welcome to Go Tell Mom. I'm Diana Kelly, and I've been momming for several decades, including tending my fur babies, kids I gave birth to, kids I mentored as a broadcaster and college instructor, my kids' friends, and my friends. I'm not a psychologist or doctor, but I do know how to dig up advice from those who are, and that's what I'll share with you. If you have something to share with me, remark, comment, question, please comment below. You know, it's been tricky financially for most families over the past few years, courtesy of COVID. Yeah, there are jobs out there, but lack of workers means the ones that are working are getting tagged for extra hours and not ones that they get to choose. It's particularly difficult when those workers are trying to boost their economic prospects by going to college. As a college professor and parent of two kids in their 20s, I get a first-hand look at the fallout. Several of my students were wringing their hands about it. Their bosses were actually asking them not to go to school during final projects week because they were needed in their stores. Frankly, asking is a polite term. Ordering would be more accurate. My afternoon stalker just quit. I need you in tomorrow at 2. Now, could you please, or can you rearrange your schedule? Just, you need to be there. One of my students flat out quit her job. Another took an incomplete in my class. Yet another asked for an extension on the deadline. And sadly, yet another went MIA in class for the rest of the term. No, this is not a good position to be in as a worker. A couple of my students recognized they were being asked to skip classes that they couldn't afford to miss to keep their GPA and graduate on time. On the other hand, if they didn't miss the class, they couldn't afford to pay for school. Their families are as worried about it as their instructors have been. No one wants to see their kids stuck in a low-wage job because they're not allowed the time to get an education while trying to earn money for that education. These students hire on, agreeing to a set schedule, and then the employer changes that schedule because they're in a pinch, putting the student in a pinch. These aren't kids who are coasting. Many of them are out on their own, paying rent, car payments, gas costs, grocery bills... WorldPopulationReview.com says there's been at least a 10% increase in rental rates in the past year in most states, with rents well above a grand a month. It's hitting a lot of entry-level renters, such as my students and my kids. Where I live, some rents are up 20%. OneMainFinancial.com pegs the monthly grocery bill for a single person at 230 bucks a month minimum. I hear my kids and my students talking about best ways to cook ramen noodles to keep costs down. They're doing grocery shopping at Dollar Tree. Of course, they're also occasionally popping into class with a Starbucks cup. I suspect that's on payday. Then, of course, we all know about the roller coaster pricing at the gas pumps. My daughter just graduated from college and is thankfully in a position in her chosen field, but she's on the bottom rung in a just-under full-time position, making the same money in her entry-level post that she made when she was a barista in high school, and her company is in no hurry to move her into a full-time gig. She has other friends in the same boat. All of them were mildly panicked when they approached graduation because they were facing the real world. My daughter had a meltdown in her junior year because she wasn't sure that she'd be able to afford a life for herself, and she definitely did not want to live with mom once she was a graduate. Mintintuit.com says teaching kids to budget before they graduate sets up a crucial financial foundation for them. My daughter was required to take a personal finance class in high school, which I thought would set her up mentally for a budget. However, she tells me they focused on things like the stock market, getting a checking account, and general economics, not on how to actually plan a household budget. So during her spring break, when she was sobbing on the couch, I pulled out my laptop and split the screen between a document for her budget and a browser to search for the actual prices for what she needed to live. 
We looked up the average monthly salary for someone just beginning in our industry and used that as a starting point. Her dad and I had bought her a car, 10 years old, basic transportation is true, but she had wheels to get to class, so no car payment. Not all students are in that situation, I realize. In fact, I've had students who were torn between paying their rent, fixing an exhaust system for their beater, or paying for next semester at school. Next, we looked at where my daughter wanted to live. She expected to be working downtown in our state capital, so we tried to find places that were a half-hour commuter less, with at least two bedrooms. She anticipated having a roommate, and she likes living with other people who are not related to her. In fact, she had three roommates in her college apartment. Taking the cost of an apartment 24 minutes away into account and splitting it in two stopped her from hyperventilating. There are services that match her with a roommate, by the way. My son's using one of them. Recognizing that she'd be able to take furniture and bedroom and kitchen supplies I bought for her college apartment calmed her down even more. Each birthday or holiday, I'd get her something that would help her ease into apartment life. A coffee maker, dishes, glasses, pots and pans, utensils, a microwave, a comforter and sheets for her bed, which I also bought for her. By the time she finished her senior year, she was pretty set up. So again, no, I'll be sleeping on the floor and eating my paper plate syndrome. Then we calculated in the cost of gas to get to work and back, minor car repairs, cell phone and internet, utilities, and of course food. During the first part of her senior year, she had to live with me because of her problem with the ventilation system in her apartment. And we ate in most of the time, reigniting her interest in cooking real food on a budget. We also changed to a $25 a month cell phone plan, and I upgraded my laptop for my classes and gave her my old one. Now, not all kids have those options, but there are ways to work around the system, particularly if you're willing to share digs with someone else. Maybe one roommate has a couch passed on from a sibling or a parent or grandparent. Maybe another has an old kitchen set that was moldering in the garage and just needed a good scrub. And personally, when I took a new job after my divorce and had to set up my own place, Goodwill became my department store of choice. Right after COVID, lots of cool stuff could be found there. My daughter, of course, winced when I suggested that, until she realized the breakfast bar chairs that she loved in my new place were thrift store finds. Based on our calculations, we figured she would be able to survive in the real world on a basic salary. But there would not be a lot of extras until she started to move up the ladder. The sobbing stopped. Plotting for a reasonable second job started. Many of my students are working at least two jobs in addition to attending school, as are many of my daughter's friends. Mintintuit.com and many other economists insist that kids should plan to save at least 20% of their income and live on 50% with 30% for discretionary expenses. Apparently, none of these folks have had to pay back student loans. According to thecollegeinvestor.com, the median payment for student loan borrowers is $222 per month. 50% of student loan borrowers owe more than $19,000 on their student loans. Federal loan paybacks are usually 10% of your monthly income. My kids are each paying back tens of thousands of dollars in student loans for their four-year schools. It's tough for students heading into adulthood and tough as well for parents of those students. The National Retail Federation says despite inflation, most parents are doing what they can to make sure that their kids are stocked up for the school year this year. They're cutting back on discretionary spending, shopping sales, and buying store or off-brand items so they can purchase what they need for the upcoming school year. Most have seen higher prices on pretty much everything, but most parents seem to think with the right tools, their kids have a better shot at succeeding in class. And if they succeed in school, their chances of succeeding in the real world improve considerably. 
Lots of kids are trying to do their part by working one or more jobs while in school, whether it's in high school or in college or in trade school. While it's great exposure to life after school, it's taking a toll on their studies in some cases. StudentLoanHero.com says one in four working students are skipping classes due to their job. Nearly 25% of working students work more than 20 hours per week, while more than 16% study more than 20 hours per week. Something's got to give. Which is why I get a bit downhearted when I hear people complaining that kids don't want to work. Maybe it's just they want to work on the schedule to which they originally agreed, not on the schedule that wreaks havoc with their careful balance of school, work, and life. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Go Tell Mom, where we chew on stuff that you talk about with your mom, or maybe not. I'm Diana Kelly. If there's something you want brought up, something you want to add, comment below, and I'll be back next week.